Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello there, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Health Mystery Solved. Last year in episode 74, I talked about what I eat and some of my favorite natural products that I found over the years. And I was thrilled to hear from you that you found it helpful and inspiring. Now, I know that many of you have kids and many also have grandkids. And since a lot of my clients are always asking me for meal ideas for their children when we meet, I thought sharing what I feed my kids and strategies I've been using to keep them healthy would be helpful for you as well. At the time of this recording in June of 2021, my son Jake is almost five and my daughter Juliet is nine months old. I'm still nursing her a bit, but she's been on solids since about six months and boy, does she love her food. It was much easier this time around with her because I already knew what I was doing food-wise from all the experimenting and the trials I did with Jake when he was a baby. So nowadays, it really does feel like a breeze. But that was not always the case. I remember wandering the aisles of Whole Foods trying to think about what I'm going to make him each day. No kidding. I was there every day trying to come up with ideas and combinations. Thankfully, Whole Foods is like three minutes away from my house, which certainly helped. But having all of this now is much more helpful, and I hope it's going to be helpful for you as well. I know that all of your kids are different ages. So what I thought that I would do is share what I do with the baby and give you ideas if you have really young kids, or perhaps you're expecting, so that you could be armed with these ideas and don't have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. And then I'll talk about the older kids, and I'll share what I do with Jake now that he's almost five. I know that kids are not easy when it comes to food. If I had a penny for every time someone said to me, my child is so picky, I get it. Mine are too. But remember that even if they don't like something, it does not mean they won't like it forever. Studies show that kids have to try a food over and over again many, many times before they may like it. So don't give up after one or even a few tries. Also, I found that with certain foods, they love it and want to eat it all the time which is not a problem if it's a healthy food, of course, but it can also make them sick of it after a while. We had this happen with eggs, with chicken, and a few other foods with Jake. So when he tells me he doesn't want something, I take it out of the rotation, and then I reintroduce it again a few weeks later, and he's back to eating it, usually with no issues. So just keep that in mind. So if they seem sick of the food, it's probably not forever, and you can try it again in a little bit. The more things that you can introduce to them early when they're young, the more you will expand their palate so they'll continue to like different foods. Same goes for supplements and certain other health-type foods. For example, I started Jake on liquid fish oil, and no, not the really good-tasting Omega Smoothie kind. Um, Designs for Health actually makes one called Omega Smoothie. Uh, It tastes great, and it's wonderful for kids, but I figured at such a young age, he doesn't know any better, right? He doesn't know the difference. So I gave him the regular liquid fish oil, the Omega Marine liquid. It has a mild lemon flavor, 
but it does kind of taste like fish, to be honest. I know that's sort of yucky, but again, he didn't know any better. So my point is that still to this day, he takes this fish oil. And if there's a day I forget to give it to him, he makes sure that he reminds me he didn't get his fish oil and that he wants it. And you should see the smiles and excitement that I get from the baby when she sees me take the fish oil out of the fridge. I started giving that to her at around six months. I also gave Jake probiotics probably since he was about nine months old. And since those didn't mix well in liquids, I would just open capsules and I would sprinkle it on his food or I would just put it on a spoon and then I would add a few drops of water and I would have him sort of eat it off the spoon. I know you're probably thinking, yuck, but that's all he knew. So again, to this day, he will still eat pretty much any supplement off of a spoon. He is a bit more opinionated now at almost five. So if I try to give him something that has a strong flavor, like for example, I give him Alimax, which is a garlic extract if he feels like maybe he's getting a cold or he's been around people that are sick. And so I put it on a spoon with a little water and he tells me, oh, mama, this doesn't taste so good. And I just tell him, it's okay. Just drink some water after. And then he gets it down. I also gave him bone broth when he was about six months. And he still loves it to this day. And anytime I make bone broth, he will gladly drink a cup. My point is that the more you introduce things early, the more they'll get used to those foods and those flavors. And so typically it gets easier later. However, if your kids are picky and they are already older, don't worry. I still have tons of ideas and things that you can do. So let's dive in. Let's start with babies. These days, pediatricians are recommending solid introduction between four and six months. Previously, it was more around six months. And the thought is that if you're introducing earlier and you're introducing foods in very small amounts, especially foods that potentially can be allergens like peanuts or dairy or egg, it can help with preventing those allergies if you introduce it earlier. I think there's a few sides to the story, however. First, subkids are just not ready for solids. So pushing those too early can cause too much stress for both you and them. Second, while I understand the idea of introducing small amounts of allergens early, sort of like doing allergy shots, you have to remember that babies are born with essentially a leaky gut. So it takes time for all of that to fill in. And because I know that a lot of you listening are dealing with health issues and possibly autoimmunity, If there's a family history, in my opinion, I prefer to wait on some of the allergens, especially things like dairy and gluten for the little ones. In my case, I have Hashimoto's, and so I know there's going to be a family history for my kiddos. I also have the DQA gene for gluten. In fact, I have two copies of it, so I know that the kids would have at least one. And being that genetic tests are genes, and genes don't change, I tested the kids when they were babies because there's no such thing as too early for genetics because those stay the same. They're not going to change. And what I saw that both Jake and Juliet actually have not just the DQ8 for me, but also the DQ2. I didn't even know about it, but obviously my husband has the DQ2 since I don't. So they got some of mine and some of his, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depending on how you want to think about it. Now, because of this, I actually never gave them gluten. For dairy, I waited till Jake was a year and continue to wait with Juliet till she's about a year as well. 
I personally have a dairy sensitivity, so I'm dairy free. But there's also some interesting research about cross-reactivity, or another term for that would be molecular mimicry, when the dairy and the islet cells, which are the cells on the pancreas. And while of course this is something that is more rare, it can happen, which means that if kids are introduced to cow's milk and their body doesn't like it for some reason, then their immune system is going to attack it and it creates antibodies. Those antibodies could then cross-react with other tissues like these islet cells on the pancreas and that can lead to an autoimmune reaction for type 1 diabetes. Of course, there's many other factors involved, but I just personally felt like dairy was not necessary for us and waited till a year after which this may be less likely to happen. If you were to follow the conventional recommendations, pediatricians are saying to put rice cereal in breast milk or formula and then start giving them rice or oats and soft foods like bananas and other fruits. My recommendations are a bit different. If they're getting enough calories from breast milk and or formula, there's really no need for grains so early on. And while fruit is nice and tasty, it does have sugar. Since their taste buds are just getting to experience the different foods, my thought is, why give them sweet stuff first? That's all that they're going to want then. Instead, I like to start with veggies, all kinds of veggies, even the bitter ones. With both Jake and Juliet, I started with zucchini that I steamed and then pureed. I added a bit of breast milk, but that's not necessary. Just that and a little water works great. I didn't peel it when Jake was little, but since then I've been doing a little bit more work with lectins and find that I myself have a little bit of a sensitivity to lectins. And for those who are not familiar, lectins are basically compounds in certain grains and certain vegetables that can create a reaction for some people. And the lectins typically are more concentrated in the skins of the vegetables and also in the seeds. So for Juliet, due to the lectins, I actually peeled the zucchini and then I pureed it. We then did some avocado. We then did bok choy, cauliflower, green beans, and then we started to combine them. So I would do cauliflower with kale, or I would add broccoli with the avocado. I then tried a little bit of butternut squash just because that's not as sweet. And then we added Swiss chard to that, which was a nice combination. And then eventually I put in sweet potato so that she can get a little bit of the sweet after she's tried some of these other flavors. And the sweet potato, I typically mixed with other things that are a little bit more bitter, like the kale or the broccoli. And then after that, we did beans. And so what I did was I pressure cooked the beans because when you pressure cook them, the lectins get destroyed. And if you have a pressure cooker, I have the Instapod personally, it's really easy. Some of them, like the bigger beans, you would want to soak, but others like lentils, and you can do all kinds of lentils. There's black lentils, green lentils, brown lentils, red lentils. They're all delicious, and you don't have to soak them overnight. You just put them with water in the steam pot, and 25 or 30 minutes later, it's done, and they're perfect. And so with those, I mixed greens like the bok choy or the Swiss chard into it and pureed them. And you can use broth, you can use some formula or breast milk, or just a little bit water for the liquid. Then after that, and this is when she was about seven, seven and a half months, we did meats. And what I did with those is I would cook the meat and we did chicken, we did turkey and beef, and I would get the grass-fed beef and organic chicken. And then I would puree some of that into the other foods that she was eating. 
After that, I tried egg yolks and that seemed fine. So There's no issues. So then I did egg whites and then we did nuts. Around eight months or so is when I introduced fruit and I gave that to her as a snack. Um, so I waited about two months to try all of these other foods first. This way, she wasn't just asking and craving for the sweets. She was used to a lot of these other flavors. Now, in terms of supplements, I started fish oil and probiotics at six months. And then also around this time, I gave her bone broth. It's nice for extra hydration and it has a very specific flavor. So I think it's good for them to get used to it. And thankfully, she was pretty open to all of it. And it's hard to say, of course, I don't know if it's just her, but it's interesting because the same thing happened with both Juliet and Jake. Anything I gave them early on, they were open to. It's usually around 14 months that they start to get picky. So if your kids are young enough or if you're expecting, you know, just think about some of these things and try to introduce them early. Don't just go with the rice cereal. It's easy, but it really doesn't give them all that much and it doesn't expand their palate. Now, in terms of the pureed foods, people often ask me, well, what about the prepared ones? And there are many, many brands of pureed foods. The neural ones are actually pretty good, and I'm sure you've probably seen those on your feed on Facebook or Instagram. The problem that I have is that most of them are going to have some type of a fruit, and their flavors are typically going to be sweeter. And not all of them, but some of them are going to be frozen, so you might lose some nutrients that way. Now, it is, of course, convenient and absolutely okay to do, but at the same time, it doesn't take that long if you prepare it yourself because what you can do is you could steam the food and then just puree it before you're ready to feed them. And then you can always have it in the fridge for 24 hours. What I would do with Juliet is I would make something in the morning and then use that for lunch and dinner. And then I would puree another combination the next day. So I'm not making it for every single meal. And I did the purees for about a month and a half. And then I started to mix it up because it is important for them to learn to grab the food. It helps to develop their fine motor skills. So I kept some of the puree so I could get the greens in there because otherwise it's hard for them to chew it up. But then I started giving her other soft food, like with the beans, instead of pureeing them, I would pressure cook them so they're really soft and I would put it out on her tray so she can grab them. And then I would bake butternut squash in cubes and those were nice and soft and I would roll them into balls if necessary. I also cut up zucchini in cubes and bake that and that's easy for her to grab. Another thing we started doing recently is making stews in the pressure cooker. And there are recipes out there, but I typically just throw a bunch of things in. So I would get some grass-fed lamb, some carrots, celery, bok choy, lentils, just put water in there and just put it on high pressure for about 45 minutes. And everything is nice and soft. And then I can feed her the liquid from the spoon, but then I would take the meat, which literally just falls apart. So it really melts in their mouth. And then she was able to grab that and eat that. And the same thing with the carrots and the celery. It was very, very soft. So I felt very safe doing that. Another thing that we've been doing is baking chicken. And I usually use chicken on the bone. And I typically use either the thighs or um, the full leg. And I would bake that. Once it's baked, I take the skin off. And because it's on the bone, it keeps the chicken nice and moist. And it's very, very soft. And then I would cut it over in little pieces. And then she grabs that. And then I can sometimes make the zucchini with that or 
I bake sweet potatoes and I cut those up in little pieces and or make little balls with them and she grabs that. So it's a nice combination because she gets the greens and she also gets the food that she can grab. And of course, with that, we're balancing the meals just like we would want to do for us as adults, right? We want to have our protein, our vegetables and our carbs. Another thing that's been a big hit, and this is something that I did with Jake and we've continued, is making meatballs. However, instead of traditional meatballs that contain breadcrumbs and cheese and everything else, what I usually do is I puree zucchini and then I mix it with the meat. So I would buy organic ground turkey and I would mix it with the pureed zucchini. And it becomes very, very soft. It almost looks like a batter, like a pancake batter or a cupcake batter. And then I would use a spoon and I put it out on a baking tray because it's very, very soft. And I bake it for about 20 minutes and it forms and it becomes these little meatballs that are very healthy. There's nothing bad in there at all. And they're very, very soft. So the meat, because it's mixed with the zucchini, it also almost kind of melts in their mouth. So they don't have a lot of teeth, obviously, at this age, but I find that she's able to process it just with her gums and you know the 60s that she does have and it works really really well and you can do that with any meat so you could do it with grass-fed ground beef you can do that with chicken and the zucchini just makes it really soft once it's baked i also pressure cook a whole chicken once in a while and i take all the meat off the bones it's very very soft and what's nice about this both the chicken and the meatballs is that once it's cooked you can freeze it. So I give her some for, you know, maybe that meal and the next day, and then I freeze it. And I don't like to freeze in foil just because of the aluminum. So what I do is I portion it out and then I uh, wrap it in a little bit of parchment paper. And then I wrap that parchment paper pack in the foil so it's sealed. And that works really well. And I've opened some of those packets even three, four months later, and they're fine. And the way that I heat that up once I want to defrost it and feed it to them is I have a little steam basket. And so I put the pot on with the steam basket and then I take it out of the parchment paper and put the chicken right in the steam basket and literally three minutes and it's defrosted and super soft. So that works really well. And it's nice to have those things on hand. I also freeze the beans that I make in um, little serving sizes for them. You can freeze sweet potatoes. You can really freeze anything that you make. So it might take you a little time to make it, but then you have meals for the week or you know even longer if you like. Another thing that I started doing with her is muffins made with oats and banana, and I'll put the recipe in the show notes. I basically just take the oats and I put them in the blender to make flour so it's completely natural, and it mixes with banana and a little bit of applesauce, and they come out really soft, and it's great for babies, but also great and very tasty for the older kids as well. And the biggest thing to remember here is that you want to balance their meals the way you balance yours. So it's not just about giving them only vegetables or only meats or only carbs, but it's about making sure that their meals have a little bit of everything so their blood sugar is balanced as well. One thing that I realized was with Jake, I was very on top of making sure that he eats his vegetables, which makes sense, right? But I noticed that if I put all the foods on his tray, 
he would only pick and eat some of the other things and not necessarily the vegetables. He would always go for the meat. To this day, he's still a meat lover. So what I started doing when he was very young is I would give him things separately. So I would give him the veggies first. Once he finished those, I would give him his carbs and then his meat because I knew that he would eat his meat no matter what. But what I noticed is that he started to like to eat things separately. And when he was right two, maybe three, he was telling me, oh, well, this food is touching this food, so I don't want to eat it. I'm going to eat it one at a time. And I thought, oh, goodness, did I create a monster here? So I'm not sure if that affected it or if it's just that he doesn't like food to touch. I mean, I think that's a pretty common thing for kids. So what I started doing with Juliet is giving her things together even if it's not all of the food, but it would give her a little bit of broccoli, a little bit of meatball and a little bit of sweet potato. And then when she eats that, I'll put a little bit more of each on her tray to hopefully not have that issue. But I guess we shall see what will happen. Now let's also talk about puffs for a second. You probably have heard the benefit of puffs in terms of developing their fine motor skills. And a lot of doctors are going to recommend them. There's a lot on social media and online saying, you know, puffs are great for developing the pinch grip. But have you ever looked at the ingredients in puffs? They're not the best. So there's a lot of other ways that you can do that. So you can make them beans that are really soft so they can grab those. A lot of the other finger foods like the cut up sweet potatoes that are baked or the cut up zucchini can work the same. So don't feel like you have to give them puffs for that reason. Now, there is a brand I found, it's called Lesser Evil, and they make puffs. Now, they call them toddler puffs, so they say 12 months and up, but they're pretty soft. And I think that if kids have, you know, even just a few teeth, it shouldn't be an issue. And those ingredients are just cassava flour and some coconut oil. So way, way cleaner than rice flour and a bunch of other additives. So I give that to Juliet here and there as a little treat. Every time she hears me take the bag out and she hears like the crinkling bag, she gets so excited. Um, so I feel at least that, you know, those are better quality ingredients than some of the other ones that are out there. Now for the older kids, it's all about getting as many veggies as you can. And I know they're more picky, but here's some suggestions. With Jake, he loves crunchy foods. So I make him asparagus in the oven and cut off the tips because those are the crunchiest and I give those to him and he really likes that. We also make broccoli, zucchini, and sweet potatoes in the air fryer. He loves eggplant and we make that in the air fryer too so it's crunchy. And you must be thinking, what child eats eggplant? But I think it must be because I gave that to him when he was very little. It is high in lectins, so I try not to overdo it. And I buy those small little eggplants so they don't have as many seeds. And I also peel it before I bake it so it has a lower lectin count. And then I try to rotate his grains, his veggies, and meat like I do for us so that he gets a variety. Now, his typical breakfast is the Birch Bender's Paleo Waffles. And I talked about those on episode 74 as well because I eat them often. What's nice about those is that they're grain-free. So they're obviously gluten-free as well. And they don't have any almond flour just because a lot of things that are grain-free are really high in almond flour and it may be too much for some people. So it's nice that these don't have that. And they do have a little bit of fat in them. They have some protein. Their carb count is not too much, but they have this really nice flavor and they definitely taste very carby. And he usually has that with 
cashew butter or almond butter. Sometimes he'll have um, the oat and banana muffins and he'll also put cashew or almond butter on those. Once in a while, we'll do eggs um, and gluten-free toast or these grain-free buns from Cocoa Bakes. And those are delicious. You can order those online directly from Cocoa Bakes. He used to love chicken sausage. Now he's a little bit more picky and will only eat the sweet Italian chicken sausage from Applegate. And it has a few seeds in it and I have to take them out because he won't eat it otherwise. So it's a bit of a project with that one, but he does eat it. Now lunch and dinner are similar and we rotate a lot of these things between the meals. Right now, he's only in school till 12, so this works. Next year, he's going to be going till 2.30, so we're going to have to bring lunch, and so we're going to need more portable options, and I'll give you some ideas for that in a second. But for now, our typical rotation is baked chicken, and I use the chicken on the bone. I just find it so much more moist. I make the leg quarters. He usually eats the thigh. Juliet eats the drumstick. Or we'll do grilled chicken thighs that are boneless, and I use some natural barbecue sauce, and we put those on the grill. Jake also loves steak. Um, obviously, I don't want him to eat steak all the time. So I rotate it with other types of meats, but I tell him it's steak. So he'll have filet, he'll have strip steak, but he'll also have lamb chops or lamb loins or even pork chops. But he thinks all of that is steak. So whatever works, right? Now for sides, we rotate oats, rice, sweet potatoes, and all types of beans. Jake likes lentils the best, and so we're always pressure cooking some kind of bean. And there's a lot of ways to make beans tasty with a little bit of salt. You could put onion, garlic, or also dressings that they may like. And our veggies right now are slightly more limited because he is more picky than he used to be as a baby. Uh, but he will eat asparagus tips, steamed green beans, as long as I put some olive oil and dressing on it. And then they're air fried, eggplant, zucchini, and thankfully he still likes broccoli. Now next year, he's going to be in school for lunch, so I won't be able to send hot meals, so I'm going to need to adjust. Now, he's never really had sandwiches, so I'm not sure what we're going to do about that. We might just have to give it to him separately. But there's a brand called Susie's, and they make a grain-free bagel that's actually really good. And they're small, right? So they're not super high carb. They have some protein. They have some good fat. Coco Bakes, like I mentioned earlier, makes these grain-free buns that are really good. And then Simple Needs is, um, and it's spelled K-N-E-A-D-S, that's a really nice brand of gluten-free bread. And so I'm planning to send those with slices of turkey and um, or meatballs. And I'm not sure if I'll be able to put it on the bread or I might have to do it separately for him because he does like to eat things separately. He also loves protein drinks. Now, I personally use the Paleo Pro in the chocolate flavor, and Paleo Pro is a combination of egg protein and collagen protein. It has very few ingredients, and it makes a delicious drink. And oftentimes, if he's having something that's a little bit more carby, I will just make him the protein drink and the chocolate one. It tastes like chocolate milk. It's really good. And he thinks he's having a dessert. Meanwhile, he's getting anywhere from 10 to 20 grams of protein, depending on the serving that you use. So it really helps with keeping the meals balanced. If your child loves carbs, and many do, and you have a hard time getting protein, in them, try a protein drink. You can use the Paleo Pro, you can use collagen, you can use plant-based protein like rice or pea. There's also bone broth protein. And if your child is okay with dairy, then you can use whey. Whey has a really nice flavor and it blends very well in water, in almond milk or any dairy milks or really any beverage. And 
protein powders are safe for kids. My clients often ask me, can they drink some of my shake? Yes, absolutely. After about one and a half, all of these are safe. You just want to be mindful of the amounts. You obviously wouldn't use an adult serving for a small child. You'd want to just titrate that down. You can also try smoothies. A lot of kids like fruit and like things that are sweet. So you can blend a bunch of different fruits and then just put the protein powder in there. And for other flavors, you could try putting a little bit of peanut butter just to give it a little something that they're going to enjoy. But you can use protein powders also that have flavors and that typically really helps. Now, Jake is someone that can't get enough fruit. So we actually use fruit almost as a treat. And so he'll get it as a snack and then as sort of his dessert, he'll use frozen blackberries or frozen raspberries. And he really looks forward to that every night. Now, we don't regularly have dessert as a family, but I try not to be overly obsessive because I don't want him to feel deprived. So we always keep some things on hand. I like the Natamu ice cream. It's a dairy-free ice cream. So we always have that in the freezer. What I like about it is that it's very low in sugar compared to other ice creams. The fat is also not very high. It has very few ingredients and it's dairy-free. So it's a win-win for sure. He also loves chocolate. Uh, my favorite brand is the Hue brand. It's H-U. It's low in sugar. It has very few ingredients. It's dairy-free and gluten-free and it's really, really delicious. So I feel good giving him treats like that because I know he enjoys it and I know that it doesn't really hurt his little body. He also loves Simple Mills products. So I use their muffin and also their brownie mix for other desserts. Like for school, for example, they have birthday parties. Gosh, they have so many birthday parties in preschool. Have you guys noticed that? It's like every other week they're having a dessert. So because he's gluten-free, I usually send those. So I make a bunch and then I wrap them and I bring it to school and they put it in the freezer. So if there's a birthday party, they will defrost that and he'll have it. And he loves that. And what's nice about those is they are really tasty, but the sugar content is really quite low. And then for other snacks, I like doing egg white curls with him. They're made by Lesser Evil, that same brand that makes the healthier puffs. And they almost look like kind of like cheese curls, but they're made of egg white and cassava flour and there's avocado oil. They're very healthy. They actually have a lot of protein and they're delicious. And he likes the crackers made by Simple Meals and uh, cauliflower chips, as well as nut butter. Of course, though, he will take fruit as a snack any day and we try to rotate all different kinds of fruits. I know that feeding kids is not easy and I've certainly dealt with my own share of struggles. And so if you have a picky child that doesn't like healthy foods, try and take a look at some patterns. Do they like soft foods, crunchy foods, maybe certain colors or flavors? If so, then work with that. So if it's soft foods, then smoothies might be a good idea. And you can put, as I was saying before, different types of fruit. You can put different types of protein powders in there that have flavors, nut butters that have different flavors. You can even throw in some green powders that typically have their own nice flavor. Designs for Health makes one called Paleo Greens and Essential Greens. They also have something called Paleo Reds, which has a lot of the ripe fruits and vegetables and they're flavored really nicely. So it really makes the smoothie taste good and they're getting a lot more nutrients. 
And if they like crunchy foods, try air frying veggies. You can also coat veggies in breadcrumbs and you can of course use gluten-free breadcrumbs if needed because there's many brands of those that are available. I actually have a nice recipe for zucchini fries. I'm going to put that in the show notes. For supplements, there's a few supplements that I think that most kids can benefit from. The first is fish oil. Now, if you're just starting out and your child is very picky, the Omega Avail Smoothie by Designs for Health is really delicious. Most kids love it. And I promise you, it does not taste like fish. They have a mango, they have a citrus flavor, they have a peach flavor. It's really, really good. And then typically, a good multivitamin is going to be helpful. I use Supernutes by Orthomolecular with Jake, and he loves that, and he calls it his crunchy vitamin because it's chewable, and I really like the ingredients. Now, there's also a brand called Smarty Pants that you may have heard of, and that's another good quality vitamin, and what I like about them is that they use methylated B vitamins like the Supernutes because, unfortunately, a lot of brands of children's vitamins still don't use methylated vitamins. For vitamin C, a great one for kids is the C plus Biofizz by Designs for Health. It's a powder that you mix in water. It fizzes. It's wonderful. It tastes great. And it's great for just overall immune support. Vitamin D is very important, especially if you live in the Northern Hemisphere. And typically, vitamin D is not something that's tested you know, until they're usually about five or so. So if they're very little and you live somewhere where it's not warm all the time, I think in the winter, it is helpful to give them some vitamin D. I use the Emulsi D Synergy by Designs for Health. It's a combination of D and K. And usually for the little ones, I do anywhere between about 500 and 1,000 I use. Now, there's also a vitamin that I get at Whole Foods called Cold Crush, and it's a homeopathic. And if Jake comes home and he looks like he's getting a runny nose or he's around people that have been sick, I give those to him. They're also chewable. They taste great. And I find that it really works. And then I love Ali Max, which is a garlic supplement. Now, it does taste like garlic, unfortunately. The good news is though, it doesn't make you smell like garlic like the other ones, but it does have a little bit of a taste. But if there's a way you can get that in, usually maybe mixed in a little bit of applesauce or some type of a frozen fruit puree, that's wonderful if they're sick or if they're on the verge of getting sick. I find that that works really well. And then probiotics are also key for kids. There are many brands of probiotics. There's chewables, there's powders. If your kids aren't that picky, you can even use the probiotics that you use for yourself. Just open the capsule and sprinkle it on their food. Designs for Health actually just came out with a children's probiotic that I'm trying out. It has a nice flavor. It mixes nicely in water. So that's a nice option as well. So there you have it. That's what I feed my kids and some ideas for you. I think the key here is that we want to be kind and gentle both to ourselves and our kids. We are all on our own journey. Some of us have been doing this for a while. Some of us are a little bit more new to the process. And so our kids are going to be as well. So just remember that anything that you do is going to help. Every little bit counts. So if your child doesn't eat a single vegetable, maybe we could try to puree a little bit and even put it into a dessert. That's step one. That's great. You're doing a great job. And if your child is already eating healthy, maybe then we can add a few vitamins they aren't already taking, or maybe we can vary up their food a little bit more. But just remember, anything that you do is going to move the needle in the right direction. So just stay with it. If you found this episode helpful and know someone that can use this information, please share. 
and be sure that you subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And as always, please don't give up on your health. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening to Health Mystery Solved and I will see you here next time. Bye. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.